Welcome to Canthropod, the Cambridge Anthropology podcast. This is episode 22, 30 Years of German Unity, Insights from Fieldwork in Eastern Germany, by Laura Tradi. My name is Laura Tradi, and today I'll be reflecting about political change in Eastern Germany, where I conducted fieldwork 30 years after the German reunification. On the 9th of November 2019, Germany celebrated the 30th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. I had just come back from 15 months of ethnographic fieldwork in rural Brandenburg, in what used to be the German Democratic Republic. There, I conducted research on the enduring presence of the experience of World War II. For 75 years, the bodies of German and Soviet soldiers have continued to resurface from former battlefields in the fields and gardens of local inhabitants. I was there to explore the long-standing engagement of local people with these human remains and how this changed with the end of the GDR. Yet today, I will not be talking about war, but about recent political changes and how these relate to the German reunification. Indeed, throughout my fieldwork, the East remained at the centre of public debate, and not because of the anniversary. Regional elections were to take place in several of the new Bundesländer, and the national press, news and talk shows were concerned with one topic, the likely electoral success of the populist party alternative for Germany. Germans are bracing for a political earthquake this coming weekend as two states in the eastern part of the country hold regional elections. In Potsdam wird heute gezittert. Hier stellt die SPD seit der Wende den Ministerpräsidenten und auch sie muss um ihre Macht bangen. Nach knapp drei Jahrzehnten könnte ein Regierung... It has been almost 30 years since the fall of the Berlin Wall. But in the East German states of Brandenburg and Saxon, the reunification of Germany has become a big political issue. A dramatic surge in support for the Alternative for Germany party, known by its German initials AFD, would send shockwaves that could upend politics not only in regional capitals, but also in Berlin. The popularity of Alternative for Germany in the so-called East raised a lot of questions, both in public debate and among my interlocutors. What were the reasons for this shift? And what were the implications for the country as a whole 30 years after the German reunification? But let us take a step back. I conducted research in Oderbruch, an agricultural region located at the border with Poland. It was often referred to as the Garden of Berlin, as the region was a major supplier of agricultural products. During the GDR, the population was employed in local factories and in agricultural production. Its population and landscape were severely affected by the Second World War. The region was devastated by the Soviet offensive of 1945, which culminated with the liberation of Berlin. The war retains a most vivid presence among inhabitants. Houses, walls, graves and fields still bear the marks of Shrapnel. Soviet and German dead regularly resurface from the ground with their personal objects. At every construction site, Trained personnel has to be present to dispose of eventual unexploded ammunition. I had come to this region to conduct research about the politics of these bodies, but each time I inquired about them, people would talk about their treatment during the GDR. The life one used to lead before the reunification, how towns and villages changed after the fall of the wall, and the anxieties and excitement of the early 90s were a constant feature in interviews and everyday interactions. There was one thing that many accounts had in common. The perception that the people's experience of the GDR, like that of the Second World War, 
had somehow not been incorporated in the national body of history. That the traumatic experience of mass unemployment, which followed the reunification, was dismissed as a collateral damage of a higher good. And that the West, today like back then, knew very little about the East. Regardless of whether one agrees or not with these claims, it is interesting to try to understand the reasons for such widespread perceptions. Let's start from the beginning. On the 9th of November 1989, four decades after the birth of the German Democratic Republic, the border between East and West Berlin was finally opened. Occasionally they shout, die Mauer muss weg, the wall must go. Dutzende von Westberlinern kletterten auf die Mauer und feierten, ohne dass die Polizei einschritt. The photos of the fall of the wall, with East and West Germans embracing each other and celebrating, have become iconic images of the triumph of democracy and the end of socialism. Indeed, Many of my interlocutors described the time of the reunification as something extraordinary, something they never experienced in their lives before or since. They told of an atmosphere of palpable enthusiasm and energy, a time of great hopes and intoxicating freedom. Yet, the reality of the German reunification was much more complex. For many, a time of profound uncertainty began. The nuances and ambiguities of this transition continuously emerged during fieldwork, as for the first time, East Germans made the experience of mass unemployment. People lost their jobs overnight, as companies closed down, unable to compete with the Western market. Socialized in a system in which the individual's role and value in society was primarily that of a worker, the experience of unemployment was devastating for many. In their stories, people emphasized the necessity of reinventing themselves in the face of enormous economic pressures. Some spoke of their biographies as having been broken, interrupted or even switched off. Aside from practical difficulties and the need to reorient in a new context, many reported that the East Germany was subjected to an expectation of normalization, where the new normal was the West. This occurred not only in cultural terms, with an expectation and certainly a desire by the citizens to adapt to the Western way of life, but in what people think of as a refusal of incorporating anything from the GDR into the new state. The prime example is the famous Palace of the Republic, the seat of the parliament in the GDR. It rose in East Berlin from 1976 to the early 2000s. Instead of restoring it and preserving it, the palace was torn down and substituted with a replica of a Prussian castle, which had been destroyed in the 1950s. This castle will now host a Humboldt Forum, which aims to be a sort of German-British museum. This example was mentioned multiple times by my interlocutors because of its capacity to convey a complex dynamic in synthetic form, but the multifariousness and capillarity of this failed incorporation, as it was reported to me, was impressive. It went from the welfare and school system, so the idea that we had a good school system but nothing of it was adopted in the United Germany, to the devaluation of the work experience of ex-GDR citizens, so this was manifested in stereotypes like Eastern workers never really worked, they have no work ethic, to the metonymic ridiculing of Eastern technology and products, and it also included the experience of discrimination that many made in their encounters with West Germans. The desire for an increased incorporation of the GDR into unified Germany 
may open some of my interlocutors to the criticism of wanting some kind of socialist capitalism. However, this failed incorporation, this rejection of the GDR citizens' experience in their unification, is strongly felt, all the more so because the period of the GDR has an enormous presence in collective consciousness. There are, of course, generational and regional differences, but where I conducted research, the GDR retains a major presence in social interaction and exchanges. In conversation, people often jump back and forward in time, comparing the GDR to now, now to the GDR, with or without polemical intent. A common kind of interaction in Frankfurt under order involved commenting on how the cityscape changed from the post-war period to now. People frequently asked, showed or talked about what shop or building used to be where and what is there now. I have seen this happen between friends as well as between complete strangers. Ruins of factories and establishments in the countryside elicit conversation about how many people worked there and how many job places were lost with reunification. Frequent comparisons between the time before and after the reunification reveal the social disintegration of the countryside. Before the reunification, so people say, one could go dance in every village. Before the reunification, buses connected small villages as well as workplaces. Today, one can hardly get around without a car. Nostalgia has been a prominent framework to analyze the relationship of East Germans with their past, but I believe that this presence of the GDR in everyday conversation, well, at least among the people old enough to have made the experience of it, um, is not evidence of nostalgia in the least. It appears to me as a way to understand and reflect upon the enormous and rapid changes of the last 75 years, so I do not see it as a form of golden age thinking at all. This distinction between golden age thinking and the presence of the GDR is quite important. Observers tend to point to the discrepancies between the perception of abandonment and the reality of increasing well-being to show that the resentment supposedly sweeping East Germany is unfounded. I believe that this is a very reductive explanation because perception is a lot more than a false belief. The ruins of factories, the devaluation of one's working experience, the devaluation of one's role in society cannot be exorcised by a number on a statistical indicator demonstrating that unemployment is actually decreasing. Nostalgia may also be an unhelpful framework if we consider that the overwhelming majority of my interlocutors did desire the reunification. What many contest is the way in which the reunification was carried out and the absence of a serious public debate about its consequences. By emphasizing the recurrence of comparisons between before and after the reunification, I also do not wish to paint too grim a picture or to claim that the experience of the reunification is primarily framed as one of loss. My interlocutors displayed tremendous private initiative in reinventing themselves, as well as the preservation of their history, in the face of enormous economic pressures. I only wish to highlight how people felt that the impact of the reunification on their lives was absent from public discourse for way too long. The much-desired public debate began only recently. My time in Germany coincided with regional elections in Brandenburg and other major eastern lander. The radical right-wing party Alternative for Germany obtained an unprecedented success. In the run-up to the election, public debate infuriated around the same question. Why does the party enjoy such an enormous support in the so-called East?
Alte Gewissheiten und alte Bündnisse gelten nicht mehr. Und viele im In- und Ausland fragen sich, warum der Osten Deutschlands politisch so anders tickt als der Westen knapp 30 Jahre nach dem Fall der Bauart. Aber warum gibt es ausgerechnet im Osten diese Tendenz nach rechts? Nearly 30 years after the fall of the wall, it looks as though East and West could be growing further apart rather than together. Why that is, is our topic. In den Jahren nach der Wende konnten wir an vielen Stellen beobachten, wie Ost und West zusammenrücken. Auch das Wahlverhalten glich sich damals an und wurde immer ähnlicher, aber dieses Rad ist längst zurückgedreht. Die Unterschiede sind To answer the question, journalists and academics turned into anthropologists. They visited the area, they interviewed people and they produced extensive reportage. In the past, some commentators had pointed to the inherent dislike of change and difference that characterized people that had grown up under a dictatorship. Others went further back than the GDR, claiming that in the eastern regions the nationalistic notions of folk and heimat had survived the socialist regime, also because of a very superficial process of denazification. Ironically, similar accusations were moved by my interlocutors towards the West. These explanations, which may be losing momentum in the press, are informed by long-standing Western perceptions of the East as xenophobic, backward and inherently illiberal, and have contributed to shift the focus away from the problem, constructing right-wing radicalization as a problem exclusively of the East. More recently, the concept of left-behind place has started to figure in explanations. Although in some cases this is just a way to speak patronizingly about an East-wide, but also worldwide, revenge of places that don't matter, Increasing attention is being paid to socio-economic factors. Commentators started to discuss the consequences of the reunification, such as the industrialization, the population, migration, very low wages, as causes for resentment. The question of Anerkennung, so recognition and acknowledgement, has also become more and more prominent in conception of being left behind. As pointed out by some journalists, recognition is not exclusively a question of political representation, but of the lack, for a very long time, of an open discussion about the high price of the reunification, which was eluded by pointing to its positive aspects. The GDR and the disappointed hopes of the reunification figured prominently in the campaign of Alternative for Germany. The slogan of the campaign was Wende 2.0. Wende meaning turn, and it is the term colloquially used to indicate the reunification. The electoral placards seemed to give citizens a sense of agency after stagnation, inviting them to complete the Wende and to write history. Other slogans included Back then like today, we are the people. Then like today, freedom instead of socialism. The East stands up and take your country back. I will starken Ergebnis der AfD am 1. September. Holen wir uns gemeinsam unser Land zurück. Gut, auch das ist unser Ziel und unser Ansatz, liebe Freunde. Ihr könnt hier am Sonntag Geschichte schreiben. Ich sag, tut es! I am personally inclined to think that the success of Alternative for Germany is due precisely to its ability to recognize citizens of the East as a category in their own right, with their own specific needs and identity. The question remains open of to what extent Alternative for Germany and the media coverage contributed to create or reinforced the idea of an East German identity. Let me conclude by saying that in a time in which inequality is diminishing and wealth increases, questions of identity and legitimate belonging are gaining importance in public debate. 
The perceived devaluation of Eastern experience contributes significantly to the feeling of being left behind, of being second-class citizens who constitute a category but do not have a place in the historical body of the country. This is particularly important in a country that is so concerned with its own history and the processing of this history. Thus, despite the economic consequences of the reunification are subsiding, its symbolic power remains enormous, and what is at stake in these claims for recognition is ultimately the legitimate belonging to a united Germany.